Leviticus chapter 25, please. We've been studying in Leviticus chapter 25 the main elements of the Jewish Jubilee. This 50th year was marked by four main principles that all of God's people were to obey. And it's with these four principles we are seeking application for us as a church as we rejoice in 50 years of God's grace at Metropolitan Baptist Church. Verse number 10, please, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10, reads, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10, And ye shall hallow the 50th year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Verse 11 reads, a jubilee shall that 50th year be unto you. Ye shall sow, not sow, neither reap that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes in it of thy vine undressed. Let's pray. O oh God, we bless you and we are thankful for this opportunity to study your precious word. And we are thankful for the opportunity to be in church this morning. We do pray for Brother James O'Sullivan as he ministers at the Evangel Church in Putney this morning. Use him to be a blessing to that little church family. And Lord, as we meet for worship this morning and as the Sunday school ministry takes place in the building next door, Lord, we pray that your word would have free course and that your word would have effect upon our hearts and lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask and pray. Amen. Amen. The year of Jubilee was a special year for the nation of Israel, the 50th year. And so likewise for you and I as God's people, this is our 50th year as a church family here at Metropolitan Baptist Church. There were four guiding principles, or there are four guiding principles within this year of Jubilee. Now, the initial principle that we noted at the first of the month was the need for God's people to be right with God. That was foundational to the year of Jubilee, the celebration of this year amongst God's people. The Jubilee began on the Day of Atonement, a sacred day for the Jewish people in which they were pressed to be thoroughly right with God. And this is the foundational principle of the 50th year, to be right with God. So I'd like to encourage you during this 50th year, if you need to get right with God, this is the year to get right with God. Last week we looked at the principle of rest, very appealing to most of us. Rest. It's a beautiful word. Four letters, but full of depth and meaning. 
The Jubilee was a year of rest. And what that meant for the nation of Israel was that the land was to be rested for the year. They were not to sow nor reap during the course of that year. But they were to rest the land, rest the soil. And they were to live off what God has provided for that year. They were to not only rest, but they were to rest their labourers. They were to less, uh, rest their, their, their animal uh, uh, stock, their livestock. It was a time in which God's people were forced to trust God to provide. A year, in fact, this is actually the second year, the 50th year comes after the 49th year, so they've had already a year of rest because every seven years God's people were to rest the land. They were to trust God to provide abundantly in year six and God said he would. So they've already had a year of resting the land, year 49, and now the Jubilee year has come around, one in 50, and they were to rest the land once again and they were to trust God to provide in spite of of them being able to sow seed and reap a harvest. And we noted last week some key principles of biblical rest found within Exodus chapter 20 incorporated into the Ten Commandments. The principle of resting physically and holiness and worship interwoven within that day of rest. And that is so critically important for you and I to understand and apply, that a day of physical rest needs to have the incorporation of worship and the incorporation of holiness. It should be a holy, restful day in which we devote time to worship. And for you and I as Bible-believing Christians, the obvious day is the first day of the week, the Sunday in which God's people met for worship in honour of their risen Lord. Holiness and worship were interwoven within this day of physical rest. Now, in Israel... If you were to visit Israel today, the new day began with sunset, not sunrise, sunset. So therefore, Jewish people would prepare for their day of rest in the afternoon, on Friday afternoon. And it's quite common, if you were to visit Israel today, you'll find businesses will close early in order to prepare for the Sabbath, the day of rest, which begins on Friday evening at sunset. They would prepare for the day of rest. Very wise, very wise. Down at Circular Quay, the next time you are down at Circular Quay, heading towards the rocks, there is an area called Campbell's Cove. Campbell's Cove. This was named in honour of Robert Campbell. Robert Campbell was the first merchant 
first individual that imported goods from overseas to be sold in Australia in the early 1800s. Robert Campbell was a Bible-believing Christian. Robert Campbell was a very, very successful businessman. But first and foremost, he knew the Lord. And he wanted to honour the Lord. So what he brought into play through his influence was at 12 noon on Saturday, work ceases. And Mr Campbell's logic was and reasoning was that way you had Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening to take care of all your personal affairs, mow your lawn, um, do whatever you need to do, so therefore, Sunday could be a day of rest and worship. That was his motive. And as far as I know, Robert Campbell was the man responsible for the five and a half day week. Remember adults, those days? Glorious days. All the shops shut down at 12 noon on Saturday. And we survived. We survived. Thanks to Robert Campbell, who had a spiritual mindset because he understood the practicality of people needing to be prepared for the day of rest. And that was his motive. And he brought that into play within his influence as a businessman. Oh, may God bring those days back again. So the importance of preparing for the day of rest. We will be as rested as we prepare for the day of rest. It's as simple as that. So if our day of rest is the Lord's Day, the Sunday, you will be as rested today as what you have prepared for yesterday evening. Just think about that. taking care of meals and jobs around the house and necessary shopping or whatever it might be, we will be as rested as we prepare for the day of rest. So within Jewish culture today, Friday afternoon, shops would shut down, things would slow down, people would start to disappear off the streets because they're preparing for their Sabbath rest because the Sabbath begins at sun down so critically important may the Lord help us all to rest as the Bible commands us to rest biblical rest involves physical rest but interwoven is worship and holiness Now we come to our third element of the Jubilee. Okay, you've all got all quiet on me. Now I understand none of us, well most of us, are not good at resting. It's true. We're terrible at it. Terrible. But it is a, it is a biblical mandate for our benefit. It's not to hinder us, but it's to help us. So we see within the Jubilee, 
there was the principle of getting right with God. There was the principle of rest, so they had to trust God to provide for them. But thirdly, and this is our main message for this morning, this year of Jubilee involved the releasing of slaves. Note there in verse number 10, please, of Leviticus 25, it talks about proclaiming liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. And at the end of verse 10, and ye shall return every man unto his family. Now what does that mean? Return every man unto his family. This year of Jubilee, the 50th year, involved all slaves were to be set free and all debts were to be released during the year of Jubilee. Now the background to this is that some of God's people voluntarily sold themselves into slavery because of a financial crisis. So on the one hand, God's people were forbidden to have slaves. That's the principle. But yet you could voluntarily sell yourself into slavery in order to pay a debt. And this is what this is referring to. Those due because of hardship financially, they sold themselves into slavery in order to pay off a debt. The owner of that slave on the year of Jubilee was obligated to release that individual and to forgive his debt completely. All slaves were to be set free and all debts were to be released during the year of Jubilee. The people were commanded to release their indentured servants so that they, as it reads there at the end of verse 10, they could return every man unto his family. Now during the time of slavery, these individuals being Jewish by nation were to be cared for and were to be treated with dignity. God's generosity to his people was the proof text by which if you had a slave that, was, uh, that you have purchased them, that you were to treat them really not so much as a purchased slave, but as a hired worker. And the essence of those uh, that fact is spelled out there in verses 35 to 38. One author said in summarizing these verses, he said, Pride should not keep a man from treating a poor countryman with as much hospitality as he would show an alien or temporary resident. Nor should interest, that is, 
money interest, financial interest of any kind be taken from a poor person. God's generosity to his people being their example. Note there in verse 39, please, of Leviticus 25. Verse 39 to 41, it reads, And if thy brother that dwelleth by thee be waxen poor, and be sold unto thee, thou shalt not compel him to serve as a bondservant. In other words, you're not to treat them as a literal slave for life. You are to treat them as if they are a hired worker, an, em an employee, okay? And you're the employer. Verse 40, as it spells it out. But as a hired servant, and as a sojourner, so shall, and as, and as a sojourner, he shall be with thee, and shall serve thee unto the year of Jubilee. A sojourner was an individual passing through. So the idea of hospitality, being kind and gracious and welcoming that individual, feeding them, um, accommodating them. This was the spirit that you were to maintain this slave, this fellow Hebrew, that because of financial hardship has sold themselves into slavery in order to pay a debt. But only until the year of Jubilee. Verse 41, And then shall he depart from thee, note this, both he and his children with him, and shall return unto his own family, and unto the possession of, of his fathers shall he return. Okay? So this year of Jubilee, if you had a, a slave, a Hebrew slave, you, you were to treat them with honour and dignity, not like a bond slave, but as a hired servant. You were to care for them, but if their period of slavery with you crossed the year of Jubilee, you had to let them go. Not only let them go, you had to clear the debt. No matter how much money they still owed you, clean. Released. Debt free. That slave is to be allowed to leave debt-free. Note then verse 43, it reads there, of Leviticus chapter 25, Thou shalt not rule over him with rigor, but shalt fear thy God. So, once again, the emphasis here is on treating that individual with dignity and respect, as opposed to being harsh and cruel and unkind as we picture modern day slavery. And look at verse 55, please. The last verse of this chapter, but unto me 
For unto me the children of Israel are servants. They are my servants whom I have brought forth out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So therefore God summarizes why that Hebrew slave was to be treated um, in a rightful, honorable way because God said, they're really my servants. They're not really your servants, they're really my servants, see? Because I brought them out of Egypt. So slaves were to be treated respectfully because they belonged to God. And even within this chapter, it makes reference to you couldn't, if you had a Hebrew slave, you couldn't sell them on to somebody else. Okay? You couldn't make money out of them. Uh, if you uh, entered into an agreement, you purchase a slave, that slave remains with you. You couldn't sell them on. So there are all of these criterias. But the point I want to make is this, that during the year of Jubilee, if you were in slavery under the hand of a fellow Hebrew, they were obligated as your owner to release you during this year and to release you of all debts. The releasing of that which they had in their possession. So I'd like to stress that very principle this morning when it comes to the year of Jubilee as a way of practical spiritual application. Number one, we need to be, uh, we need to determine to be right with God. Number two, we need to take seriously God's mandate to rest. It's for our benefit. But also the principle of release, letting go. Release. Let me ask you this morning, what do you need to let go of? What do you and I need to let go of? This is the year of Jubilee. Could it well be that we have within our possession, within our control, something or someone that we need to let go of? That's the principle within this context. Maybe it's an individual, a relationship in your life that you just need to let go. Let it go. You know it's not right. You know it's not of benefit to you. Let it go. Maybe it's a security, something you're holding on to, a security in your life that is potentially holding you and I back from fulfilling God's will fully. Let it go. Let it go. Maybe it's how you are using your time that is not of spiritual profit. Maybe you're addicted to habits that are really not spiritual like some form of online gaming and it's just zapping you of, of virtue and time 
and you are becoming addicted. And it's infecting you spiritually. It's leading you down a, an unreal world that is far from spiritual and having effect upon your life. Maybe you need to let it go. Let it go. Maybe it's self-confidence that needs to be replaced with confidence in the Lord. Let it go. Maybe it's a, a thing in your life, materialism, a possession in your life. Something that you possess or want to possess, that you are hoping to possess, that's just weighing you down physically and spiritually, and it might even be putting you under financial pressure. Let it go. The year of release. Let it go. Maybe it's a particular, your job, that is uh, very uh, uh, negative or really affecting you spiritually and you know it is, maybe you need to let it go and look for another job. The releasing of that which we are holding. My friend this morning, what do you need to release during this Jubilee year? What slaves or what slave do we need to set free in 2024? May I mention unforgiveness? Unforgiveness. Do we need to let go of that slave of unforgiveness? That we have been holding on to? Are you holding on to unforgiveness? I'd like to challenge you. Let it go. You won't benefit. See, unforgiveness in the heart might be the very thing that is holding you back from growing and serving the Lord effectively. And I challenge you during this Jubilee year to release, to release what you need to let go of. Maybe it is unforgiveness in your life. For unforgiveness leads to bitterness and that bitterness will affect others. According to Hebrews 12, 15. The Bible teaches us, if the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. John 8, 36. In Christ we've been set free. Therefore, we need to be willing to offer people release, forgiveness, 
if they have sinned against us because we are forgiven. Summed up beautifully there in Ephesians chapter 4, please, verse 32. Ephesians 4, 32. The Bible reads, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted. Let's say it together. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. <laughs> we need to be willing to offer people release, forgiveness. If they've sinned against us, why? Because in Christ we are forgiven. We are forgiven. My friend, do you need to let go of that slave called unforgiveness? You will lose out. You can try and convince yourself that you are in the box seat. I'm not going to give him forgiveness. I'll never forgive him. I'll never forgive her. But in fact, you will rot internally. And it could, well, that could well be that one that you won't forgive is just going on with life as if nothing ever happened. <laughs> That's usually how it works. So you lose out. And you'll become bitter. And you'll not only become bitter, your bitterness, your sourness will affect others. It'll affect your spouse. It'll affect your family. It'll affect your work colleagues. It will affect others. Hebrews 12, 15. If you don't believe me, it's there. Sour people breed sour people. Bitter people breed bitter people. Bitterness is the byproduct of an unwillingness to forgive. Let it go. The year of Jubilee, release. Let it go. Now the obvious question is, Pastor, how do you do it? Well, let me stress first and foremost, make sure that you've experienced God's forgiveness. By accepting Jesus Christ as your own personal saviour. Note there in Romans 6.4, we noted this at our last baptism Romans chapter 6 verse 4 quickly it talks about being buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life you better make sure that you've experienced God's forgiveness because in experiencing God's forgiveness, you understand forgiveness and therefore you can offer forgiveness. So therefore, we need to choose to obey God's command and forgive. Because the power of sin has been broken. This is the essence of Romans chapter 6. Note then verse 17 please. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, for ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Doctrine in the head needs to move into the heart and it will eventually affect the feet. 
We need to obey God. We need to choose to obey God, knowing that we are no longer servants, slaves to sin. We have a new master in Jesus Christ. So therefore, we can obey God because the power of sin has been broken. I can choose to obey God. I can choose to forgive. And I should want to forgive because I'm forgiven. Now another key principle to bear in mind that might help us to forgive is that we need to consider that individual's weakness that you are struggling to forgive, consider their weakness in hurting you above their wickedness towards you. Consider their weakness in hurting you above the wickedness against you. Just like our Lord Jesus said in Luke 23, 34. From the cross he cried out, Father, forgive them. For they know not, let's say it together, what they do. Okay. Consider the weakness of the one that's hurt you and not focus on the wickedness of how they've hurt you. And another principle that will help us to forgive is that we need to be mindful that God's plan and God's desire is restoration. Note there in 1 Timothy 2, please. 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. The Bible reads, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Glory to God that we have a mediator, a go-between, between God and men, you and I, the man, Christ Jesus. See, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. But God commended his love towards us. He demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The bridge between sinful man and a holy God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and was willing to die on the cross in order to restore man back to God. The idea is restoration, not retaliation, not condemnation. We are condemned already as sinners. But Jesus Christ did not come into the world to condemn the world. He came into the world to save sinners from condemnation and to pass us from death unto life. So the whole purpose of the gospel is restoration. Restoring man back to God. And there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. 
plan of salvation, beloved, is not about retaliation. It's not about justice. It's not about judgment. It's all about reconciliation. Restoration. And what will help you and I to forgive as God commands us to forgive is to be mindful that God desires restoration, not retaliation. See, this is why many of us won't forgive certain individuals, because we want justice. Can I just share with you a, a scientific fact? I'm into science, you know, it's a good thing. It is a proven scientific fact from, that on this side of eternity, the probability you will not experience complete and full a proven scientific fact. And some of us will not forgive because we want justice. I'm not going to forgive him. He hurt me. She hurt me. You're wanting revenge. You're wanting full justice. I understand that. In the eternal realm, God will judge. God will deal ultimately with how they persecuted. Our problem is we want to be used of God to bring about justice. Talk to me. Vengeance is mine, say it. Restoration. God's after restoration. And last but not least, how do we forgive, Pastor? Well, number one, as I've said, make sure that you've experienced God's forgiveness. That's the place to start. Number two, choose to obey God's command to forgive. Yes, you can forgive. None of this nonsense, well, I can't forgive. If you have the presence of God's spirit within you, the power of sin is broken, you can choose to forgive. Number three, consider their weakness in hurting you above their wickedness. Number four, we need to desire restoration and not focus on retaliation. Let God be judged. Principle number five on how to effectively forgive, I think this will be helpful, is that we consider God's higher purpose in allowing that pain in your life, in my life. Consider God's higher purpose, that God has allowed pain 
Pain has purpose. Pain reveals a need. Pain is a gift from God. I know we don't like to admit that. We don't like that thought. But the blessing of feeling pain highlights there is a need. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 1.12, but I would you should understand. Listen carefully. Brethren, as he writes from a prison cell, the things which happened unto me have fallen out, have eventuated in the furtherance of the gospel. Philippians 1.12 Forgiveness The year of Jubilee was a year of letting go. Let me ask you this morning, have you experienced God's forgiveness? Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He paid for your freedom. Jesus Christ wants to deliver you from the slavery of sin. Will you allow him to deliver you? And for those of us that have been released, that have been forgiven, the challenge is on this Jubilee year is, what do you and I have to let go of? Maybe it's not forgiveness. I hope it's not. It's a deadly terminal spiritual cancer that will ruin your life and turn you into sour grapes and you'll produce other sour grapes. Let it go. Let it go. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I've been hurt. I've been hurt as well. We live in a fallen world. The Lord Jesus was hurt. He died a humiliating death. A slow and painful death. He was shamed before every individual in sight. And yet he cried out, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Let it go. Let it go. The year of Jubilee, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Go. What do you need to let go of in 2023? Let's bow for prayer.